you're you're putting both of them out at the same time, and so you're seeing the actual performance in in uh, oh boy, Ugh, I think I'm gonna need to retake that one. <laughs> okay, all take, right, take a minute, have some chamomile, regroup. Look, if you're expecting something really professional and polished, there are plenty of other podcasts to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Successful Users Podcast, featuring Samuel Hulick and Robert Graham. Well, our really awful podcast got two new five-star reviews. I saw. Yeah. So do you want to go over those real quick? Are we... So this is... We're doing it for real right now? I think we're... Do you want to start over? I mean... <laughs> I just... I didn't know... I thought... I, when I was asking you how things were going in your life, it's from from one person to another, because I care. Right. Yeah. No, I... Well, I don't know. I it, wasn't like, like a, it wasn't like t- teeing up a bit. Right. Well, it can be a bit. It's okay. All right. Well, let's just keep this train rolling. All right. Uh, yeah, so a couple of new five-star reviews. Uh, we got one from Leaving ABC in the U.S., says, uh, excellent podcast for anyone in the SaaS startup world. Robert and Samuel are both brilliant and hilarious. I find myself laughing a lot during the show, both at them and with them. Yeah, I don't keep, know about that keep part. Keep the gold nuggets coming. <laughs> well, I think he meant at you and with me. But... Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then uh, Paul, www.theappguy.co from the UK. He says, two very entertaining hosts. I know Samuel Kulik and Robert Graham through my show, The App Guy Podcast. They were both great guests. They have teamed up to create an awesome regular show packed full of useful insights. Keep up the great work, guys, Paul. An awesome radio show? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Really pulled the wool over his eyes. Uh, well, it says regular show. Oh, regular but show. Somebody, somebody did say the word radio recently. Hmm. So, uh, so you were you you were a guest on the App Guy podcast? Uh, I honestly don't know. Maybe we should edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> were you? Yeah, I was. Okay. Have you I... have you ever been a guest on any podcast? On several, yeah. Oh well, let's just assume that you were on the App Guy podcast. Yeah, it's it seems pretty likely. I'm gonna do a quick little Google search. All Robert right. Graham App Guy. Uh. So the only thing I was wondering about, as far as like keeping the train rolling, is we got some great we got some great email feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know if you wanted to just just discuss that in front of the people. Um, oh, you know what? What's that? There's a there's you, there's another Robert Graham. Oh, burn! Co-founder of Brander App. Oh, very handsome guy. looking guy. Yeah. Well, we tend to be. The 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 Robert Grahams of the world, yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, here's here's his interview on the. He thinks you're somebody else. Well, I I don't blame him. I have a fairly common name. I guess so. Not a lot of Samuel Hulicks out there. That's true. I've only met the one. Well, but there is a Sam Hulick who is a uh, a video game music composer. Oh, who he did uh, the Mass Effect. Um, oh, soundtrack. Well, that that's an achievement. Yeah, I, I'm just dominating him in the in the uh, serps, though. Oh, I would after I, after years of toiling in obscurity, 
working away in, in the other Sam Hewlett shadow. Yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, Sam. Yep. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I get owned by... There's a fashion designer with my name that just crushes everybody <laughs> because tons of like top-shelf retailers carry his stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to penetrate that. Yeah. I feel like there's a joke somewhere in there. I'm sure there is. Go... <laughs> <laughs> You, you've got to actually make them once in a while, though, to cash in on that joke. Yeah. So I'm your host, Samuel Hulick. I am your other host, Robert Graham. And now you know what the names belong to which voices. Not to be confused with the, uh, what was it, Brander? Brand- uh, Brander app. Brander app. Yeah. 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 But maybe that's excellent. Ooh, you know, I, I was almost like, maybe I should play a little bit. That might be the first time a podcast has been played inside another podcast. Oh. Should we should we endeavor to make podcast history? I, I don't know if I want to make podcast history. Honestly. All right, we'll skip it. Uh so yeah, what did you what did you want to do with this with this email situation? Do you want to run over uh and and chat chat through some of it or do you want to jump on our our main topic? Let's cut right to the chase today. Okay. Okay. We're going straight at it. Uh so the topic today is is A/B testing for user experience. Yeah, uh, I like this topic. This topic, I gotta tell you, this this topic gets me a little bit fired up. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I think we've been too subdued the last couple of weeks. We were focused last time around. Yeah. But we need we need to bring back the excitement. I, I want to hear the stadium again. Oh, do you do you literally want me to play that right now? No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Figuratively, I it, want to it, hear actually, it really does get me pretty pumped. I will say it's very excellent. That stadium is just rocking. <laughs> yeah, that seventeen dollars was worth it every day of the week. Yep. If you ever feeling down, uh, how about just having a, a, a an entire stadium cheering for you? Yeah. So, do you want to launch into these tips here? Yeah. Well, and before we do, just covering the topic in general, I have to yeah. admit. This might not be the most professional thing to uh, to to admit here, but I, I was a little bit nebulous on the specific the specific the specificity of the topic. Like, yeah, is, is it how they how A/B testing and UX interrelate, or how to improve UX through A/B testing, or what was your interpretation of it? Probably more the latter. The latter in that context. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I was a little bit more the former. Okay. Well, that probably means we cover the subject with some breadth and some depth. It's it's a uh, going to be a uh, wait. <laughs> I I don't know how to pronounce the word. Buyubase, buyubase, buyubase. Yeah, uh, there's something for everyone here. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because like I know how to spell it and I've seen it, but uh, I guess I read it in my head. But I never really was like, okay, Samuel, this is how you pronounce this word. Get ready. If you ever want to bring it up on a podcast and don't want to look like a fool, it's pronounced buyubase, <laughs> which it might not be. Uh, I've definitely heard it that way a lot, but I uh, may not have grown up in the most educated part of the world, so there's a chance that it's it's all for naught. Be a best. 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 Well, there you go. It's be a best, according to YouTube. Uh, I've definitely never heard that, but good for YouTube. Thanks, thanks for stepping in there. You know what they should do is have a, is just create a series of videos like how to pronounce and then just mispronounce everything. Yeah, like that's what I would do. Yeah, like, that's 
That's a great uh, digital age prank. Yep. You know? Confit. <laughs> or uh, uh, yeah, fooey yeah, brats. You know what? You know what I think is one of the future teenage pranks of the world. You know all those uh, like Tesla re- recharge stations and stuff where people have to you know stop at like a coffee shop for a half hour or an hour to recharge their car. Just steal the car. No, no, don't steal the car. Uh, but I think the kids are just gonna walk around unplugging the cars. So you're gonna be sitting inside, <laughs> having kind of... having a bagel, you know, <laughs> sipping on some coffee. You get back. You know, hey, yes. I'm all ready to go to my meet. Oh, time to complete my you know cross country drive. Wait, what do you mean seven percent? <laughs> Pranked ya. <laughs> yep, that's gonna happen. That's Sex that's that. a that's a prank for millennials. No, post millennials. Yeah, digital natives. <laughs> wow, our gen- generation names are gonna get scary. I don't I don't want to go down this road. All right. Uh, so so A/B testing for UX. Uh, looks like we both have a little bit of a different spin on it. Do we want to explain a little bit about A/B testing before we get started? Like what it is? Yeah. Sure. Also known as split testing. And are we are we specifically A B here or are we including multivariate? I don't I don't I don't want to touch multivariate. Okay. But for the record, the difference between A B testing and multivariate testing is Is that a handoff there? Yeah, I, that was, I was trying to hand it off to you. Alright. All right. We'll, we'll work up to it. Uh, so the the difference is it's just the number of alternatives you have. Right. Well, but but it's also a thing where, like, if you're doing, what is it called, the the something-armed bandit approach, where you're, it, it, like, multivariate testing is, you're, you're chopping up a bunch of different different combinations right. of things and then just kind of throwing well. it out the wall and seeing what happens to work the, the best, right? Right. Yeah, you could have multiple tests on the same page as well as more variations of the same thing. So you could say... Here are a couple different headlines. Here's a couple different ways to uh, present this, uh, I don't know, uh, comment block. And here's a few different background colors. And then it just goes through, like, you know, all the different combinations that you could come up with of of all the different ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good distinction. All right. So, so yeah. So, for the record, all of my stuff is is when is the uh, A-B testing centric, which is to say... You come up with a different idea, often called the challenger or the competitor, and then you run it simultaneously. You split, you split the audience. Half the people see one, half the people see the other one, uh, the other one being the original that was existing already, oftentimes called the control. And the, uh, the, the, the basic gist of it is, instead of just changing something and then tracking the performance of it then, you're controlling for, well, in a different sense of the word control, you're controlling for uh, the fact like, well, maybe more people came to the site or different people came to the site or whatever. So looking at this is we're, we're measuring both of these uh, in the same time, same place with the same audience. And we can, you know, def- definitively say that this one outperforms this one. So along those lines. Right. That was kind of a rambling cover, but there you go. I think it, I think it worked out OK. Yeah. I have an update for you on the on the booyah base front. Oh, interesting! I think that YouTube was the the prank that we were talking about because excellent. I, I've continued to look it up because I'm like something about that's not sitting with me, and uh, I looked it up and it seems to be 
Booyah Base, is it? Not, I, I don't even remember what the other one was, but it was wrong, I think. It was, it was like Besabi or something. <laughs> yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. It's like connect. Wait. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. So I'm glad that we resolved the mystery. Yeah, so for those of you listening at home, it's, uh, it's Booyah Base. I'm pretty sure. I think the jury's in on this one. And I guess, for those of you who, who are not familiar with Booyah Base is, maybe we should cover that too. <laughs> you can cover that if you'd like. I like how we're like, we're going to cut right to the chase. That's right. <laughs> Good thing we didn't go into later. that email that we got. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so a Booyah Base is like, it's like a gumbo, like a, like a, a big mixture. You just throw a bunch of stuff into a soup. So by saying uh, that we're going to cover a lot of topics... It's gonna be it's gonna be like a soup with a bunch of stuff in it. Oh, this is outrageous! 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 All right, like cool? No, not cool. (laughs) You you wholly abused the word gumbo in that sentence. I'm oh sorry. As a as a resident of Southeast Texas, yes. Have I offended your delicate Southern uh, sensibilities? Yeah, I I grew up with a whole lot of Cajun folks that would have been highly offended by being called by folks. Uh, gumbo a soup. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So, so cutting to the chase. I almost don't want to describe AV testing too much more because then it might be cutting in on uh, one of my tips. Okay. Well, do you I have, like, do you have like any any points to round that out, or or are we good? <laughs> I think I think we're in good shape. I think uh, we could also say if you don't know what you, if you don't know what A/B testing is, go look it up. I guess that's not super helpful. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. Yeah, this is this is great. The new the new podcast. So I'd like to propose something, a radical shift. Okay. I'd like to go first this week. Oh, this is radical. I'm all for it. Go for it. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, good joke. Tip number one. Tip number one. Number one. Uh, So tip number one is to test big. Uh, So especially if you're getting started, uh, look for tests where you think you can make a big impact, like a a 2x or a 10x or something like that. Don't don't spend all your time in the minutia of, uh, you know, button colors and stuff. Like, don't, don't retest things that you don't feel like you have the opportunity to make a big impact on. Mm-hmm. Uh, go after go after the big the big game. Uh, play with the big boys. That doesn't necessarily mean test like complete alternatives of your site. Uh, there's a lot of interesting write-ups if you search around for that sort of A-B test about why that's really hard to do properly. Uh, but yeah, test some of the bigger things. Maybe some, some workflows or uh, like, you know, different ways like multi-stage uh, forms and all, all the all the larger pieces of your flow. Uh, I think those are the ones that you want to get a sense for. Yeah, go for the, the radical redesigns. Yep. Not like, uh, like the conversion rate experts would call meek tweaks. Right, yeah. Don't, li- don't love those. Hmm, interesting. Unless if you're super gigantic and you have just insane gobs of traffic. Right. Yeah, and and that's I mean that's a good point because a big a big part of what we're trying to do here by avoiding the small small fry changes is uh, you only have so many tests you can run, so much traffic you can throw at it, uh, so you want to get the big wins, uh, and and you're also probably not spending all of your time doing A/B testing, 
So, yeah. Uh, well, I think that makes for a very convenient segue to to my tip. Tip number two. Tip number two. I'm excited. Is uh, is look to control as many variables as you possibly can. So the the yin to your yang as far as going for gigantic changes is also do it in a way that's methodical so that you're not just throwing out a, a wholly new redesign. And if right. it works or doesn't work, you're not really sure which parts of it are working or aren't. So being methodical and rolling out independent variable changes as opposed to just throwing a huge change to the mix. Because maybe you learn, okay, this is working better, but maybe let's say that it involves six major changes to a particular page. Maybe change one uh, increases things by 20%. Change two doesn't really work out, and now it's decreasing things by 10%. So it's a net of 10 so far. Three, four, five, six going through those. Some are working, some aren't, but you don't know because it's just one big gob of, of changes that you put out. So instead, right. independently going through um, the uh, the changes that you're that you're proposing to see which one, it, it, uh, how they perform individually. I like it. Yeah, and there's a very good video uh, presentation by Dan McKinley of Etsy uh, on that very topic. Walks you walks you right through couple things they screwed up, couple things they did right. Uh, very, very good overview. So we'll put that in the show notes, I'm sure. I'm sure as well. And he's, uh, he's McFunley on Twitter. Good follow. Nice. All right. Uh, that takes us to tip number three. Tip number three. My tip number three is structuring your tests uh, around the types of things that you're interested in actually improving. Um, do do that. Yes, do do that. So I was going to say, that would be quite a don't. <laughs> that would be a huge don't. I'd be like, buddy, I'm, I'm curious to see where you're going with this one. <laughs> Sometimes I should do that, just a, just a full-on fake tip. <laughs> uh, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of uh, digital native pranks, yeah, see, what if we just had a podcast where we gave crappy advice? Uh, so... <laughs> So anyways, yeah, build build your test around something that you, especially that the user could improve their success with. Um, so another another place where it kind of connects back to testing bigger, like your your button color is not necessarily making your user more successful, uh, but there are a lot of things about your your information architecture or your interface flow or uh, you know some of those little some little things like how big the button is or whatever, if you can get people to convert at a higher rate on a page, then, you know, that's a positive thing. But I think some of these other things are are worthy of uh, these methodical tests that Samuel is recommending um, because I think they might have a bigger impact. Or uh, if they don't have that impact, you may be able to learn a little bit more about your users and your app. Interesting. So so is my take my takeaway is uh, test test things beyond just how how stuff is presented is that is that correct or yep oh all right um very cool so i'm gonna go right ahead with tip number four tip number four and then this is <laughs> this is one that i uh wanted to start with but then yours your tip number one had such a convenient segue that i had to, to uh preempt it that's fair i i shuffled as well yeah you got to. It's a dance. It's like jazz. Yep. Right. 
Anyway, it, it's like the it's it's the tips that we're not giving. We should we should uh, we should adopt something like that. Like it's like jazz, where it's just like a go to you know analogy <laughs> or metaphor that we use for everything. Just whenever whenever we <laughs> screw up. Yeah, just like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tip number four is uh, is where I would like to start with my tips because it's where I would like I recommend that you start with your A B tests which is to begin with a hypothesis. I would not oh. recommend just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Ideally, the point of A-B testing isn't just to improve conversion rates, but also to learn what the, the, the mechanisms and, and uh, uh, what is the word? Primers? Not primers. When you're, no, what is it? When you're, uh, cues, I guess you could say. Uh, to learn the, the mechanisms and the cues behind what it is that's working and what's not, what prompts will uh, incur, no, encourage, <laughs> oh boy, encourage uh, the activities that you're looking for people to take on, things like that. So I always like the idea of you're not just, you're, the point is to learn. And so you can't really learn without having a hypothesis and that uh, you're testing the hypothesis by running the A-B test. It's like an, a, a scientific experiment in that way. Yeah, I fully support hypotheses. Yeah, so begin with the basic. For example, I think that uh, let's see, what would it be? I think moving comments to the top of the blog will will result in uh, X percent more comments being made, and uh, would uh, only be result in ten percent fewer people actually reading the post. Then you can actually look and say, okay, this is a falsifiable hypothesis, which means. It can actually be proven wrong, which means you're actually learning something, as opposed to right. a non-falsifiable hypothesis, which would be like, I think it will make things better. Like, what what does that even mean? Right. It doesn't. the The null hypothesis is uh, would be like the opposite of that, um, which you, you could you could definitively say this did or did not happen, basically. Yes, sir. I so this actually dovetails into one of my tips. Oh, tip number five, by any chance? Restructuring, yeah. So the new tip number five. Tip number five. When you do have some test results that you're looking at, I think you should take note of the cohorts and those results. What do you mean by that, Robert? Well, so it's possible to have an improvement overall and the conversion of something or the number of people reading a, a post or commenting on a post, but it's also possible that you increase the number of people that you're less interested in. So certain certain traffic from certain places may convert at a, a lower rate or it may convert to a lower paying plan. Uh, so it, you, you want to take note if you're killing yourself on your highest value uh, cohort, then you, you know, may not want to keep the results of some of those types of tests. Mm. So it's, it's working well in the thing that you were testing, but the overall deep, deep funnel conversions were, were being negatively affected by it, for example. Right. Yeah. Uh, and in this, you know, the, the impact of this particular tip depends on where the test is and, and exactly what you're testing. Um, but I would say even for, you know, something that may improve or, or minimize user engagement or success, you know, I, th- I think you still want to sort of bias yourself toward your most valuable users. Yeah, so you're saying segment, like, all right, well, maybe it increased things overall, but it decreased things for the people who are actually going to become customers, so we got to throw it out. 
Right. Interesting. All right, fair enough. And how do you recommend doing that? Uh, well, there, there's kind of a few ways to do it, uh, but it really depends on your tool chain. So I don't know if I can give a specific recommendation on the podcast. But if somebody's interested in doing it specifically, then send us an email. Oh, you're, you're so approachable. Look at that. You're, you're a man of the people. I, I strive to be. So, uh, let's see. I got to collect my thoughts here a little bit. Okay, I apologize. Okay, so are we good with tip five? Should we move on to tip six? Yeah, tip five is so yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tip six is... Tip number six. Uh, I, this one might, might put me... I might go into a little bit of hot water on this one. Oh, I like could this. Could be a little Patsy. bit, a little bit, uh, what's the word? Controversial. Oh, dear. I'm going to, but I, sure I told you, say like, what's that? You might say the least controversial thing ever. You'd be like, I think you should do A-B testing. Yeah, I Tip think six. ice cream tastes great. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but this one, this one might be a little, I mentioned at the, at the top of the podcast, I'm a little bit fired up about this topic, gets me, gets my blood going. Uh... Blood going. This, that was a weird. Is this a don't? What's that? Is this a don't? It's a do. It's a controversial, oh. a potentially controversial do. Okay. And that is to strive to hit the local maximum. What? Right? All right. Uh, um, uh, uh, what was his, who, Mr. Maven just, just uh, drove, spilled coffee all over himself again. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Maven. Drove right off the road with that one. <laughs> Undoubtedly. All right. So, a lot of... Which I guess, do I need to explain what the local maximum... Probably, right? You definitely should. So, I, this is going to be a long do, then. Um, <laughs> so, there's a, an old, like... I guess it was initially, like, a, a computer science thing, where they uh, there was a, a, a hill-climbing metaphor, which is to say, the metaphor being, uh, imagine that you were airdropped into, like, an acre uh, of territory... And you, in a, in a pitch pitch dark night, no moon, nothing, can't see any more than just like a few feet around you because you have a lantern or something. So far, so good? Mm-hmm. All right. And then you, your your uh, goal is to get to the top of the tallest hill within that acre you were airdropped into. So only being able to see just a couple feet around you, what's the optimal way to go about doing that? And so from a computer science standpoint, you're, you're coming up with algorithms that would uh, increase the likelihood that you would wind up at the top of the tallest hill. And so the simplest algorithm would be, well, wherever you are, if you can walk up, go up, and until you can't walk up anymore. And that basically guarantees that you'll get to the top of whatever hill you're on, i.e. the local maximum, your, the, the maximal height of, of whatever your, your most local uh, quote-unquote hill is, but it doesn't guarantee that you get to the top of the tallest hill. Right, and so for the the more advanced algorithms would say, okay, well, um, what if you could be randomly airdropped twenty times? Then you would be that much more likely to, you know, and then climb to, to the top of whatever hill you're on. That would make it more likely. Or if you circle around hills more often, and I, I don't know, I, that that part it gets a little esoteric. But um, well, and also the the actual purpose of the metaphor, though, so it's like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, from, then it gets all into, like, computer science stuff, and I kind of just, uh, my eyes glaze over. But um, people are taking that metaphor and applying it to design, 
in such a way that saying A-B testing or, or uh, page optimization or whatever that might be um, will help you get to the, the top. It'll help optimize whatever the, the page is, um, but it doesn't necessarily, like a radical redesign would possibly put you on a taller hill um, that you could then get to the top of. And so a lot of times when people say basically something is either over-optimized or people focus too much on optimizing the, the, the thing that they had and they missed out on a bigger opportunity, they say that they have a problem where they hit the local maximum. Right. Right. So nobody out there is saying that you should pursue the local maximum, except for me. <laughs> hence, okay. hence the controversy. Why would I recommend this? Indeed. I don't know. No, I do know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm drunk. So, the, so I, have, I have some real issues with the way that this metaphor is being applied to design. Number one, you're not... Be, like, the whole point is that, you're, that the, the, it's a limited set. You're being dropped onto an acre, and you're trying to climb the biggest hill within that acre. But when it comes to design, specifically web design... What is even defining that acre? It's not a limited set of possibilities. It's an infinite set of, pos- of possibilities, right. to my it's mind. It's a Hilbert space. What's that? It's a Hilbert space. Hilbert? Yeah, it's a weird abstract mathematical term. Sort of means an infinite space. Oh, interesting. I thought it was like a, like a, like a pun on uh, Dilbert, but for hills. Oh, that would be funnier. <laughs> it's, it's actually much nerdier, and I did a poor job of explaining it in order to not explain it. Yeah, or if Dilbert was a hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a hill with like a tie that looks weird. <laughs> for those, uh, for our listeners, we are uh, crowdsourcing. If whoever comes up with the best like drawing of what Hilbert would look like, uh, you'll get a... What would you do? We'll, we'll we'll make you famous. We'll put you on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll, yeah. All right. So back to the, back to my controversial deal. Um, I, I the reason that I recommend pursuing the local maximum is that is it's certainly better than nothing. Like a lot of times people say like, well, you know, you're either innovating or optimizing, and I think that's that's bull to begin with because to me they they go hand in hand. You innovate. And then confirm that your innovation was an improvement on what you had before by paying attention to the result or rolling it out as an experiment, i.e. A-B testing, things along those lines. So, I, I, I don't know. I, the whole It seems like people use it as an excuse to just do what they really want to do. Or to just, you know, burn something to the ground to start it over again. But even then you're just going to land on another hill and it still makes sense to try to climb to the top of that hill. Right. So why not pursue the local maximum? I think that's a good place to be. You've maxed out the, 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 uh, the, the capabilities of that, of that, per, uh, of that, per, uh, what is wrong with me? You've maxed out the capabilities of that particular design iteration. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's a reasonable position to take up. Uh, and I think whatever whatever hill you happen to be on design-wise, you do want to pursue the maximum for that hill. Um, I don't think that means that you don't ever want to, you know, try another hill. Uh, but if you are interested in trying another hill, maybe we'll include some of these articles in the show notes. There's a lot of cautionary advice along those lines that it's not... 
it's not as obvious of a win to sort of start over. Um, yeah, that's there's the thing. a lot of because like a lot yeah, of catches. the whole the whole the whole hill climbing metaphor. It's like oh well, you know, we hit the local maximum, so we needed to do something radical. Like okay, what if you landed on a shorter hill that time? Yeah, uh, there's also some weird implications for for deeper in the funnel, um, because ultimately the hill the hill thing is you know a broken leaky abstraction because uh, you, you you get to the the top of the hill for that particular stage of the funnel but there's many successive pieces to go and uh, yeah it can you can appear to have huge success only to have either the effect wash out over time or the effect to wash out later in the funnel yeah um, or so, I mean yeah. not to get too abstract here but going back to your your prior tip, as far as like testing things that are not just the 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 presentation aspect of it, I mean, mm-hmm. looking at the information architecture, how it's arranged, the site structure, the performance of the page, like how quickly it loads. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can test that are not just like you know what what would show up on a screenshot, basically. Right. And so that I mean, to me, again, the the hill climbing metaphor or the local maximum metaphor kind of breaks down from that capacity as well, where it's like, uh, what are you even defining the hill to be? Like, is it just the way that the page is presented? You know, cause then obviously, all right, you're probably going to get to a point where testing, you know, button color or button copy or whatever, isn't necessarily going to be like, you know, 10 Xing your, your growth rate or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, the whole thing, I, it just doesn't really hold up to scrutiny as far as I, as in my opinion. Right. So I'm putting, well, I'm putting the local maximum, as applied to design on the hot seat this week. You just got put on the hot seat. I think that's reasonable. I, th- I think this is a, a good line of conversation, and I think if you're if you're planning to do a huge switcheroo, you should really look into some of the, the details here, and we'll try to include that, like I mentioned in the show notes. Yeah, or that Dan McKinley video. Or there was another one. What's the site that where you get, uh, the, uh, where the, uh, you look for jobs? It starts with in. Um, indeed. Yeah, that could be it. Let me see. There is one of those. Let's see. Let's see. Here's me. Oh yeah, yeah, it's this one. Um, there's a a a a, a, head, a big a big uh big cheese of design did a really interesting talk all about their approach to to uh, split testing and how the local maximum plays into it and things like that too. I highly recommend. Yes, sir. Put it in the show notes. Maybe we need a little, a little, uh, little punchy sound effect for that. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to hear hear some feedback from the people about that. About the the uh, sound effect. Yeah, yeah. Don't let it distract you from drawing Hilbert, though. That's much more important. It's critical. It's, it would obviously be one of the greater achievements of Western civilization should it come to pass. Critical Bert. <laughs> uh, Tip number seven. <laughs> Tip number seven. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. You had more to say? No, please. Uh, well, I just I, I kind of wanted to note that uh, for for a lot of these products and businesses, uh, as you grow, the people that you're catering to and the feature set that you have tends to grow and change. Uh, so, I feel like you can actually 
end up on a different hill over time if you're learning from your users and making the types of changes you need to to the app without just pulling a switcheroo. Um, like I think it can happen fairly organically and you can grow into it. Um, so I think it's less critical in my mind to pull a, a huge switcheroo with any regularity uh, because unless you're already quite large, um, I think those types of changes will actually just creep up on you over time. Yeah, I can I cannot agree with you more. As far as the you, it, it's like it's like the hills are on an ocean with uh, undulating yeah. tides because you could take the same quote unquote local maximum design again if that even exists and wait six months and you're serving possibly a totally different audience at that point. Right. So you're defining it's not again it's not like there's this fixed acre of land that doesn't move and you just need to find the top hill. It's it's a uh, it's like it's like jazz. <laughs> like it's, it's just like jazz. It's constantly changing. You gotta find the flow. Right. So yeah. So I mean at the very least my my non-controversial recommendation is like don't just because you might, you know, reach a point where you're maxing out the your optimization around I guess whatever you consider a design to be. Um, don't let that stop you from at least trying to, to keep, to make it better. Yeah. Well, and I think if you're running out of ideas on things to test or, or not having a lot of success with the tests that you're running, maybe we should dovetail that into, check out this segue, into mm. tip number, uh, seven here. Tip number seven. You know what kind of, what kind of, uh, interrupted that segue? The, the whole check out this segue thing yeah yeah sort of a yeah. sort of a self non-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy you know you know what else interrupted that segue <laughs> all right tip number seven <laughs> uh so tip number seven is don't throw out your qualitative tools mm. um, so live chat jobs to be done interviews email user tests all those types of things soliciting feedback talking to your customers uh, so I think A-B testing is, I think we both obviously support it. We think it's a big tool in the toolbox. Very, very good to be doing them uh, as often as you can. But I don't want you to get so consumed that you're no longer spending time, you know, with the actual people themselves. Because sometimes when you, when you get super quantitative about things, you lose sight of that you're dealing with real people that have you know, real lives and they get up in the morning and have coffee and they have spouses and kids and they have these other things they care about. And you need to talk to those people. Uh, the statistics don't cover it. And those people change as your app changes and grows and matures. So you need to continually be connecting. Uh, and that information will make the tests that you run, the hypotheses you have, much better. Robert, that's very well said. Thank you. However, oh no, I gotta say, okay, what what was the thing that we were describing the podcast as? One hundred percent consensus. Yeah, I got I gotta say, I might have to put you on the hot seat a little bit. Okay, hot seat away. You just got put on the hot seat. This is like jazz. It's like, uh, I, I, I when people say that, uh, it kind of drives me up a wall. Which, which that? The, like, well, just because you're A-B testing, don't ignore all the other parts of what you should be doing. Like, to, to me, and, 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 and your take on it was extremely well-reasoned and, and well-tempered, and, and I totally agree with your, your recommendation. But I do have to say, 
people say this all the time. Like it's, it, it, it seems like a false dilemma to me. It's, it's like, of course, why, why would anyone just, why would anyone be like, well, I may be testing now so I can ignore my, my customers. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that a lot of times people can frame it in that way that makes right. it sound like it's an either or, or, well, and let's just, let's just ride, ride this right into tip number eight, which is like, you don't have to stop designing or stop innovating or stop listening to people in order to be testing. It's, it's a, it's a yin and a yang to me. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to create a false dichotomy around it. And I'm uh, not saying you did. And uh, uh, yeah. it, like I said, I just get a little fired up about this, but people seem to have this opinion where it's like, you're, you're either optimizing something or you're innovating. And to me, you, you are, or people will say things like, uh, AB testing will tell you what happens, but it won't tell you why. Well, like, of course, of course. <laughs> right. I, I use a metaphor of like, it's like a bathroom scale where people are like, well, yeah, bathroom scales won't, uh, that's not a good way to lose weight where it's like, it's not a way to do anything. <laughs> it is telling you if that is, if you are losing weight or how much it's, it is a measurement or a, a way to sure. measure something. And so I don't know. I mean, it just seems like so weird to me that people are like, well, you know, don't, don't just measure stuff because that won't give you ideas on where, what to come up with next. We're like, of course it won't. Yeah, no, I think I'm more along the lines of uh, two things I would say I would point out. And I'm arguing with other people than you through you. Yeah, that's that's fair. To make I'm it just, clear. I'm just reinforcing the yeah the possibilities here. So uh, in smaller organizations, you're going to have you know fewer people and fewer you know skill sets, or, and some of those people are going to be maybe more comfortable with a quantitative approach or more comfortable with a qualitative approach. Mm. Uh, and I think you can kind of end up head down and just kind of focused on one of them just because maybe you're better at it or as an organization or as a person. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and, and I don't want, I don't want you to do that, especially because, you know, maybe you're over-focused on, on AB testing and then you decide to throw a, you know, a kitchen sink kind of a test at it just because you have a, a few tests that don't get results. Um, whereas I think you would just be like teeming with ideas if you were, you know, approaching it a little more well-rounded. Uh, so, you know, don't be afraid to, to get outside of your comfort zone and uh, <clears throat> make sure you're doing these things in a well-rounded way. Uh, that's all I would say. I totally agree. I guess it's just, uh, maybe I just don't understand why people are cautioning other people about it because I don't understand why people would do that to begin with. Right. So maybe it's... Yeah, if, definitely if you're small enough, I think it's easy to... You can really only do one thing well at a time. At mm. least I can only do one thing well at a time. So. But but that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like to me, it's a it's a, it's a it is a process where you use both. Where you you come up, you get inspiration, and then you measure how well the thing that you got the inspiration to make performed. Yeah, I I I think I think 100% a consensus has returned. I mean, I, I guess it's almost like saying don't just measure stuff, also get inspired or get inspiration for stuff. But what else were you, what else are you measuring if you're not coming up with ideas of things to change to measure? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could just be brainstorming your own ideas. I think they would just be worse. Yeah. Your ideas stink. (laughs) Just like jazz. All right. So that was tip number seven. That that was seven and eight, I believe. (laughs) Tip number eight.
I believe that was seven and eight. So I guess it's back to you. Oh yeah, this is how this podcast works. Back to you, Robert. Uh, so number nine. Tip number nine. This one, this one, I had to shuffle quite a bit. So, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, this one, this one used to be number two or something. Well, it's, no, but also just crazy. to be clear, the back to you, Robert, was Robert pretending to be me. That wasn't really me saying that. <laughs> I I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess it's just a question of who do you trust more? Obviously me. Okay. So, tip number samples, 9. Samples and workarounds. Uh so so I don't want to go into too much detail about this. We've actually talked about this on another podcast. Ooh. But we'll have to put that podcast in this podcast's show notes. That we can do. Put it in the show notes. So, Samples and workarounds, what I'm saying here is uh, you can definitely run into places if you're deeper in the funnel or you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with a a less off-used feature uh, where you don't have the numbers you'd like to to have a test run in a certain amount of time. So So what do you do? There's a few things you can do. Um, The first thing is you need to actually know what your sample sizes look like before you run these tests, like get get some idea. one thing you can do is take your so say the take your prior month's results for it and then just swap the thing out entirely and compare. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to do something like that, you need to be careful because I believe it was tip number two where where Samuel mentioned controlling as many variables as possible. Um, you want to try to make sure that the context of that thing didn't change too much uh, when you did that that test in juxtaposition Mm. and obviously it doesn't have to be a month time period it just depends on how long you need to get uh, to your numbers but I would say if you can't manage to do the test in about a month uh, then you do need to look for or often you'll need to look for some kind of alternative way around Mm. and that is one there there are some others Uh, this is another place though in the interest of of time where I'm going to say Drop us a line, and we'd be happy to chat a little further about it with you. Yeah. As, as a corollary to that tip, uh, I know that there are companies that get enough traffic where they can, be, they can, find, uh, they can reach statistical significance basically in one day, but they yep. always let their tests run for a full week anyway, just because if you run it for one day, let's be, well, maybe there's a bias towards just what people do on Mondays, for example. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and you can have similar biases and traffic sources and whatnot and spikes of different kinds. And weekends, man. Oh boy. Don't get yeah, me started on weekends. That's like when the Walmart people come out. Huh? <laughs> uh, have you never seen the, the, the Walmart people site? Oh, the people of walmart.tumblr.com. Yeah. Whatever that is. Uh, that might not be the URL, but yeah. So that's, that's when they, that's when they get clicking on the weekends, huh? Yeah, well, I just think things get a little weirder on the weekend. I think we kind of ran that one into the ground. <laughs> I think I think we like to do that around here. Yep. Uh, all right, so I, I'm a little conflicted because I had an idea for another tip that I would like to run with, but I have another one written down that I'm still I'm pretty pretty taken with. I'm gonna do something unprecedented here. Whoa! What's that? I'm gonna give you both of the tips. Uh, and, and we're going to say one of them is in memoriam for all those tips that were lost. It's like the tomb of the unknown soldier. Uh, yeah. All right. 
Uh, so, and I'll, I'll make them quickies because uh, we we're probably running a little low on time anyway. One is um, like to practice good uh, experimenting hygiene. So a lot of times people will. Uh, in the same way, even though they don't have to let it run for a week, they'll let it run for a full week because then you're once again controlling that variable. Another thing that a lot of people say, and this is a little bit some there's a, experts, this, not all experts. Is this the agree. second tip already? What's that? Is this the second tip already? No, it's the first one. It's part. It's okay. it's okay. It, that was leading up to the first tip. All right. Um, not all experts agree, but some people say that you should run an AA test, which is basically using whatever split testing software or setup that you have to run a test where you're looking at how the one design performed against itself, basically. And seeing, because right. like if you're running something where you're, you're comparing two designs and your data is noisy enough where it says one of them was a clear winner, even at statistical significance, then you got a little issue with the way that you're, you're uh, running your experiments there. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So it seems like a, a danger zone. We could put a. I'm sure there's an. Uh, I could. I could pull up a good AA testing article. Throw that right in the show notes. Yeah. What if there was like an old time, like, like if the if the the sound the sound effect was like put it in the show notes. <laughs> uh, so like the worst possible sound effect is that what you're? <laughs> yeah. Hilbert. It was that's uh, that's Hilbert doing it. Hilbert. <laughs> Hilbert, Hilbert with a sinus infection. All right. So my other tip is uh, to strongly consider if you're looking for places to A/B test, strongly consider A/B testing your onboarding. Oh, that's all you have to say about it. Hello. It's it seems it seems like a fairly standard Samuel direction, right? <laughs> it does. It's a little this on is... the nose. This is well-trod, I believe. Yeah, but the idea being, if you're looking for something to A-B test, a lot of, sometimes you can have people that, uh, push back on A-B testing because they're like, well, what if people, a little something called familiarity bias, what if people are already kind of used to the current design? Maybe that's going to mess up the results of the test if we run it out because people are you know used to going here to click on this thing, but then it was moved over here. Is that really going to be representative? With, with uh, user onboarding, not an issue. Nobody's familiar with anything by nature of the because they're being onboarded to it. Right. So it's a it's like a petri dish. Well, do you have a is there is there a user onboarding test that you like to like? Is there like a go to for you? No, not really. No. Okay. I'm just saying if you if you got an itch to start experimenting, that's a good place. Yeah, yeah. I think earlier in the funnel is is generally better for everybody, right? I suppose so. You'll have you'll have more numbers there too, right? So anyway, and going back to whatever the tip was that you made earlier, like an hour ago, uh, <laughs> it, it, you uh, want to pay attention to what's happening at the end of the funnel. Make sure that changes you're making at the top aren't aren't having uh, negative negative impacts at the end right. either. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty important. Okay, so you want to let's do the let's do the run it back, the 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 whip around. <laughs> yeah. You can keep your pet hey, it's time for the whip around. <laughs> I like I like our new sound effect experiments. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I was like, man, too bad there isn't somebody on Fiverr who can do that for us. And then I was like, wait a minute, new what? business idea. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yep. I will. Uh, I will say anything you want, like an old time newscaster. For five bucks. For five dollars. Uh, Don't hold me to that. 
Yeah, please. All right, so it's time for the whip around. Tip number one. Yeah. Number one, test test big changes. Tip number two, control control those variables. Number three, structure your tests around around success and outcomes, uh, not just appearance. Number four, very similar. Begin with a hypothesis that you can test, yes. which by definition would be a hypothesis. If you can't test it, it's not a hypothesis. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Tip number five. Number five is take note of your uh, cohorts and segments and your results, especially down the funnel. Yeah. You know where I learned that uh, I, 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 a hypothesis is a, is a, a thing you can test? Where? Uh, my Well, when my son was three, he used to watch a, show, a TV show on PBS Kids called Dinosaur Train. And that's that's where I got that from. Oh, right. Yeah, so we'll put that in the show notes, too. Okay. Tip number six. Controversial. Controversial tip number six. Consider striving to hit the local maximum. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Tip tip number seven uh, was not to throw out your qualitative tools. Tip number eight. Don't stop innovating to start testing. Do it at the same time. Yin-yang. Number nine is uh, your samples and workarounds. So you can you can stop one and compare to to prior uh, date samples. Uh, and then there, there's some other stuff there to, to be aware of. In memoriam tip, special tip, uh, practice good ex- experimentation hygiene, consider AA testing. And finally, tip number 10, think about onboarding. Think about, oh boy. <laughs> tip number 10, think about, uh, think about experimenting on your onboarding, especially. I like it. Yep. Feels feels like a complete episode. And with that, we are done. Forever. Done. All right. Done forever? No, not forever. Okay. Well, uh, I, I don't even know if I can still do this, but if the people are still able to listen, send us an email, success at successfulusers.com, add successful users on Twitter, uh, and give us give us a five star review on iTunes. It's starting to become a fairly popular thing to do, so mm. it, you don't want to be late to this bandwagon. FOMO. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess with that, then um, I don't know. Anything else we should talk about? Uh, is there anything you would like to to expound upon? Um. I feel like you have-